0: In today's brief, we'll talk about a return to human wave tactics, the Polish election, and double-tap attacks at sea. I'm Linnea, and today is Monday, October sixteenth, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief Podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's start with the news from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses on Saturday included 8 tanks, 25 Armored Combat Vehicles, or ACVs, 33 artillery systems, 2 Multiple Launch Rocket Systems, or MLRS, 4 Unmanned Aerial Vehicles, called UAVs or drones, and 880 personnel. Russian losses on Sunday included 17 tanks, 23 ACVs, 44 artillery systems, 1 MLRS, a helicopter and a fixed-wing aircraft, 11 drones and 860 personnel. According to the spokesperson for the Joint Press Center of the Tavria Defense Forces, Alexander Stupun, the amount of military equipment and weapons Russia is using in their offensive efforts has decreased. Stupun also noticed that Russian forces have suffered serious losses near Avdeevka in large part due to the lack of evacuation of wounded from the battlefield and the poor quality of field medicine in the Russian armed forces. In the Eastern Theater of Operations, Ukrainian Operational Command East spokesperson Ilya Yevlash reported that Russia has once again ramped up offensive operations on the Liman and Kupiansk fronts in western Donetsk and eastern Kharkiv oblasts. Ukrainian Colonel General Oleksandr Sirsky commented on the change of pace, the enemy's main goal is to defeat our troops, encircle Kupiansk, and reach the Oskil River. The enemy carries out dozens of attacks daily using assault groups assisted by armored vehicles and conducts heavy mortar and artillery fire on our positions. End quote. He noted that the AFU is well prepared and are repelling attacks, resulting in Russian forces failing to achieve quote, any substantial progress. End quote. United States National Security Council or NSC spokesperson John Kirby seemed to concur during a press briefing on Friday, saying that Russia appears to have launched a, quote, renewed offensive, end quote, on the Eastern Front. Adding that, quote, the Russian military appears to be using human wave tactics, where they throw masses of poorly trained soldiers right into the battlefield without proper equipment and apparently without proper training and preparation. End quote. Russian forces have been known to use so-called human wave tactics before, notably during their winter offensive in and around Bakhmut. On the Avdiivka front, the Russian offensive faced some setbacks, according to the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, but apparently still came up with something to brag about. Russian sources published conflicting reports about previous claims of Russian control of the Avdiivka coke plant, but ISW hasn't observed any evidence to confirm that. A Russian millblogger wrote that Russian advances are being slowed by minefields, and a Russian volunteer in the 4th Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, brigade, claimed that the accuracy of Russian artillery is being degraded by worn-out barrels, which has been heard before from other Russian sources. Ukrainian forces continue to make some progress in the Bakhmut area, the 5th Assault Brigade released footage over the weekend showing how they breached Russian defensive lines around Klishchiivka in Donetsk Oblast with tank assaults, and during offensive operations east of Andriivka. In the southern theater of operations, the Ukrainian 128th Assault Brigade posted geolocated footage over the weekend showing the capture of a network of trenches outside Kopany just west of Robotny in Zaporizhzhia Oblast. Using combined arms tactics, that means a coordinated combination of armor, infantry, and artillery, a smokescreen, and the natural cover of the tree line, the AFU was able to avoid potential flank attacks and push Russian forces towards the lowlands. On the Black Sea, a convoy of three cargo vessels were reported to be en route to ports in Odessa Oblast, according to the Center for Transport Strategies. Russia seemed more concerned with a different blockade. Satellite images from open-source intelligence, or OSINT, sources show barriers clogging up the entrance to Sevastopol Bay, presumably in an effort to prevent Ukrainian naval drones from getting into the harbor. Quick question, though. With all these barriers, how do they plan to get ships out of the harbor? Or don't they? The UK Defense Intelligence Report noted that most of Russia's Black Sea fleet has been relocated from occupied Kirim, also called Crimea, due to the risk of further losses and the inability to enforce their de facto blockade of shipping vessels to and from Ukraine's Black Sea ports without severe political consequences. The Intelligence Report assesses that Ukraine now has the initiative in the Black Sea forcing the Black Sea Fleet into a defensive posture against sea drones, air drones, missiles, and special forces operations. The report does also note that, quote, with notable and embarrassing exceptions, end quote, the Black Sea Fleet has mostly been able to continue to train, maintain, and defend itself, as well as launch cruise missiles at Ukraine. The Russian patrol ship Pavel Dejavin, the one that was attacked by Sea Baby drones on the 11th was attacked again on Friday as it was leaving Sevastopol, reportedly suffering damage to its propeller, according to Russian mill blogger Ribar. When a tugboat was deployed to evacuate the patrol ship, it too was allegedly attacked. Ribar reported that the ships remained afloat, but that the extent of the damage wasn't yet known, adding that, quote, The epicenter of the explosion was underwater. Indicating the use of fully submersible unmanned attack boats. End quote. On the home front, one person was killed and twelve injured when a Russian rocket hit the Social Protection Department building during an attack on Pokrovsk in Donetsk Oblast. It was originally reported that 13 people had been injured, but unfortunately one of those injured later died at the hospital. Acting Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Mark Rutte, met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Odessa on Friday and announced that the Netherlands will be supplying Ukraine with additional Patriot air defense missiles and help acquire patrol boats to maintain the humanitarian shipping corridor in the Black Sea. Rutte echoed the sentiment expressed by the United States, saying, The terrible events in Israel and Gaza will not distract us. We will keep supporting Ukraine for as long as it takes. This winter, Russia will try to hurt Ukraine as much as possible, so the Netherlands will supply extra Patriot missiles, so that Ukraine can defend itself against Russia's barbaric airstrikes. Quote. A powerful explosion was reported on Sunday morning in Kherson, followed by another about 30 minutes later. Head of Kherson's military administration, Roman Murochko, stated that there were blackouts in multiple neighborhoods as a result of the explosions and disruptions to the water supply. According to preliminary information, the explosions were caused by two guided aviation bombs dropped by Russian aircraft. Speaking of airstrikes, let's talk about the Russian Federation. Russian long-range aviation aircraft haven't launched a missile strike on Ukraine since September 21st, and UK defense intelligence suggests that it's because Russia is building up its AS-23 missile stocks in anticipation of heavy strikes against Ukraine over the winter. Instead, Russia has been focusing on striking grain-related facilities in southern Ukraine with Shahed Kamikaze drones. UK Defense Intelligence noted that it's not unusual for there to be breaks in Russian airstrikes, but that the last significant break was this past spring, when the Russian Air Force had, quote, almost depleted its stocks of capable AS-23 missile munitions following its winter campaign against Ukrainian critical national infrastructure, end quote. Residents in Sochi reported five to six explosions on Saturday, according to Kremlin-aligned Russian news agency RIA Novosti, leaving multiple buildings without power. No casualties were reported. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at that's b-o-r-l-i-n-g-o-n dot media. In news worldwide, the finance ministers and heads of central banks of the G7 countries pledge to hold on to roughly 280 billion U.S. dollars worth of frozen Russian assets until Russia compensates Ukraine for the damage caused during the full-scale invasion, stating they will consider, quote, all possible avenues to aid Ukraine consistent with our respective legal systems and international law, including using those frozen Russian assets to support Ukraine's recovery and reconstruction. A quick sidebar in case you're not already familiar with it, the G7, or Group of Seven, is basically a club consisting of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the U.S., that gets together every year to talk about what's going on in the world and coordinate global economic policy. North Korea has provided a 1,000 containers of military equipment and munitions to Russia for use in Ukraine, according to NSC spokesperson John Kirby, who stated that the NSC assesses that North Korea is, quote, "...seeking military assistance from Russia, including fighter aircraft, surface-to-air missiles, armored vehicles, ballistic missile production equipment," other materials, and advanced technology, end quote. Kirby noted that the U.S. is closely monitoring whether Russia will provide the materials and have already observed Russian ships offloading containers in North Korea. U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced on Friday that the U.K. will be deploying troops, ships, and aircraft to Northern Europe next year in an effort to address Russian so-called hybrid threats and protect critical infrastructure in the region. Hybrid threats combine military and non-military tactics and can include things like disinformation, cyberattacks, sabotage, economic destabilization, etc. According to Sunak, the deployment will involve 20,000 personnel, soldiers, sailors, marines, and aviators, eight ships of the Royal Navy, 25 jets, and a helicopter task force. In a statement released on Friday, the Dutch Prosecutor's Office reported that it has penalized four Dutch companies and eight individuals for breaching European Union sanctions on Russia between 2014 and 2017 by helping Moscow build the Kerch Strait Bridge, connecting Russia with occupied Kirim. The companies supplied machines, machine parts, and other services during the construction of the bridge for which the individuals were sentenced to between 20 and 60 hours of community service, and the companies fined a total of 160,000 euros, roughly 169,000 U.S. dollars. The statement concluded, quote, The Crimean bridge was built partly due to the use of Dutch knowledge and expertise. End quote. Russian president-slash-dictator Vladimir Putin reportedly hasn't called Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to offer condolences following the terror attack on Israel by Iranian-backed Hamas militants, despite Netanyahu's efforts over the years to maintain friendly relations with Russia. In fact, all conversations between the two have apparently stopped. According to Vera Mishlin, a former official on Israel's National Security Council, quote, "Putin and Netanyahu used to communicate frequently. The current silence is definitely indicative of the wider Russian approach." End quote. Polish parliamentary elections held on Sunday appear to have resulted in a major defeat for the long-ruling nationalist Law and Justice Party or Prawo i Sprawiedliwość or PiS, according to exit polls. Current opposition leader and former European Council President Donald Tusk and his civic coalition party will likely be able to form a coalition government, thus ousting from power the party of President Andrzej Duda and Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki. Some quick context. The PIS has been accused by the EU and Polish opposition figures of dismantling Poland's democratic institutions – bringing the Polish judiciary, public media, and cultural bodies under greater government control, and taking a hard line against abortion access and LGBTQIA rights. The election in Poland had a reported 73% turnout, the highest since the fall of communism in the country in 1989. A coalition government led by Tusk is expected to attempt to restore ties with the EU, continue aid to Ukraine, and shift the balance of power in the EU further to the east. As head of government, Tusk will still have to contend with Duda as head of state with veto power on new legislation, though the presidency in Poland is a somewhat weaker office than that of the prime minister. Let's talk military tech. According to multiple U.S. officials, Ukrainian pilots are expected to begin training to fly F-16 fighter jets at Morris Air National Guard Base in Arizona this coming week. The small group of pilots arrived in the U.S. last month to complete an English language course at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas, and, having passed their first test for English proficiency, are headed to Arizona to train with the 162nd Wing the main F-16 training hub for the U.S. Air Force. The pilots will start their training in the classroom and in simulators to learn the basics of operating the fighter jets before getting any flight hours, as is typical for a U.S. Air Force training program. The course may be accelerated, however, due to Ukraine's urgent need for pilots in combat operations. A Boeing official announced that Ukraine will start receiving ground-launched small-diameter bomb, or GLSDB, missiles and launchers this winter. Developed by US-based Boeing Company and Sweden-based Saab Group, the GLSDB incorporates a GBU-39 small-diameter bomb with a 93-kilogram warhead, With an M26 rocket, enabling the munition to be launched from ground based missile systems like the M270 MLRS and M142 HIMARS, both of which have been previously supplied to Ukraine. The GLSDB missile has a range of up to 150 kilometers. Roughly 60,000 women serve in the armed forces of Ukraine. 5,000 of whom are in active combat roles, according to the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, or MOD. While many soldiers have struggled to get proper gear, the women have had the unique challenge of only having access to gear that isn't designed or fitted for their bodies, which can leave them less protected in the field or, in some cases, become a hazard. The MOD, however, announced on Friday that the Support and Logistics Department is currently trialing a version of armored vests designed specifically for women's bodies. Noting that the manufacturers have taken into account feedback from service women to ensure the vests are comfortable while carrying and operating weapons. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to our work on Substack. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Dopobachenye. <laughs>